The past several weeks, we've been discussing and thinking about this thing called a call narrative. Uh, what is a call narrative exactly? It's, it's the moment when some of the biblical characters feel like they are called by God. And we look at these because they are a template of what happened when they were moved, shaken, turned, their life had a, a turning point. And certainly, we all can look back on our lives and think, there was a point when things shifted. There was a season in which I exited out of or entered into. And likewise, we turn to our character, Moses, for today. Would you pray with me before we read our scripture? Oh Lord, our God, we want to feel enlightened and enlivened by your word for us today. So tune our ears to listen, not only for Moses' call, but perhaps a tuning to our own. In your name we pray, amen. Our scripture for today comes from the very familiar passage in Exodus. So if you'd like to listen, if you'd like to sit back, if you'd like to read, and for those of you who know what's coming forward, maybe you want to take off your shoes, I'll leave that to you. Our scripture for today comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Listen to God's word for you, the people, this morning. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked. The bush was blazing, but yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see how the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for this is the place in which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have had to deliver the Egyptians to bring them up out of the land that is good and broad land, the land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Prezierzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt." But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I'll be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you. And they will ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? 
God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Before my dad retired, we had become convinced that he had some sort of a a hearing problem. So we made an appointment with the local ENT, the ear, nose, and throat doctor. And they gave him some very high-tech earphones to put over his ears, a headset, and then also a clicker with a little red button on it. Perhaps you know this. And the doctor didn't know just how bad my dad's hearing was because they've just started interacting with one another. So as a joke, my dad would say to the doctor every time they would say something, what? Speak up. And then I jabbed my dad in the side and said, this is no laughing matter. So the doctor put the headphones on him and went back to her station and said, are you ready to begin? To what my dad replied, what? I gave him that daughter serious stare. This is serious, dad. And my dad said, could you put on some beach boys? To which the doctor then gave her own serious stare. She proceeded to play a series of sounds. Um, Some were just tones. Some were that nail on the chalkboard sound. Some were dogs barking. Some were that high-pitched sound that only... um, small ear canals can hear, and then low tones that maybe just a baritone can hear. Tone after tone, we sat through this lengthy test, and we came back to her office to look at the results, and we found out that my dad had no hearing problem. His hearing problem was that he was simply tuning out what he didn't want to hear. (laughs) And I realized at this point that I, myself, being younger, might also have a hearing problem. And maybe you do as well. When it comes to God, sometimes we only hear what we want to hear. And God probably thinks that we have our own hearing problem. Are you deaf? How did you not see that? Who knows what God really was thinking when we turn a a deaf ear to God's voice And some have honestly described a relationship that they have with God where they audibly have heard God's voice or felt it in their very bone and being. But to be honest, God doesn't speak to me in a voice that I can hear in my own ear canal. And of course, there's been some times when I have sensed a deep, deep thing in myself, something so interesting that like a tuning fork has gone off inside of me that I feel it. I've asked God for a paragraph. I've asked God for a sentence. I've asked God for simply a word. And I've felt things that are incomparable to anything else. They've gotten themselves into goosebumps, a newfound talent, or a feeling of peace, or a sense of joy. And the more I've listened to God, the more I realized how God speaks to me particularly. And I don't usually catch what God is up to until hindsight, of course, which is 2020. And most of our characters in scriptures don't hear God the same way either. They have their own unique way of listening to God. But God's audible voice came to Moses. It was kind of like in a Kindle Fire audio version for Moses, after all. Because we have this encounter of, quote-unquote, from Sunday school, 
the burning bush encounter. You probably remember a little piece of the Moses story where Moses was a young boy, and at that time they lived in Egypt. And Moses needed to be put into the Nile River. That's how his mother was going to save him. So he was put in the Nile River, and he was put down the Nile River because of a decree by Pharaoh. His mother was very smart and sent his sister down the Nile River to casually be there. Oh, hey, there's this Hebrew baby in the Nile River. What shall we do to it? And just then, Pharaoh's daughter was listening. Oh, how could we not save that baby? And so she scoops him up, and then she thinks to herself, hmm, what am I going to be doing with this baby? And so the sister of Moses, shh, don't tell him that there's a sister, says, how about I go get a Hebrew mother to nurse this Hebrew baby boy? And then, of course, she goes and finds Moses' mother to go live in the household. So there, Moses' mother, Moses' sister, and Moses all grow up in Pharaoh's household. Coincidence? I think not. But this is how the story goes, and that's the very quick version of it. And this is where we find Moses, a grown-up man. This is far before him learning about the Ten Commandments. This is far before him uh, having the plagues and going out of Egypt with the Israelites. This is far before all of those great things that we know Moses for. His story is deep and wide, and so we find him a found baby in a basket, having grown up. And he left Egypt, and he went to the wilderness. And at this point in his life, he's tending sheep, the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, He has escaped all of that in the city, and he's in the wilderness. And he's far away. He's not just a day's journey so he can check back in and be there for dinner. He is gone. Multiple days journey, and he is sensing a calling from God. The Bible has many narratives, and a call narrative has a few things to it. And I want you to hear them as they're unpacked for us in our scripture And perhaps they can be unpacked in your own life. A biblical call narrative has the call itself. It has a commissioning from God. And of course, the hesitance on the part of the person being called. Now, not all of these elements can be found in every call narrative, but they are in Moses's. And they may be in your own today. So for Moses... In verse 10, the actual call, Moses, Moses, I don't know how God's voice actually sounded, but it could be deep, it could be high, whatever, but Moses, Moses, clearly his name was called out. And then it calls to the commission, I will send you to Pharaoh to lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And then there's the hesitance, who am I to be doing this? And then the assurance of who God is to Moses, I will be with you. And of course, we always need some proof, right? And so there's a sign. How will this come to be? How will I know that it is done? How will I know that you are with me? And it says, this will be your proof. That is, I have who have sent you. When you bring my people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. 
And we know from having read the story that that is exactly what happens. And Moses is feeling secure with the fact that God will be with him. But Moses has a sense of insecurity about who he is. Moses was just a sheep tender, going about the daily work in his own life. And he came about this bush, and he could have said, well, that bush looks funny, and then just have turned away and thought nothing more of it. But instead, he was lured in, drawn in, and this fire in the midst didn't consume the bush. It looked interesting enough for him to go towards it. So his experience and his revelation of God is not just a revelation of God, but it's a revelation by God. God is very in tuned with his life. Called and commissioned, Moses can only trust that God's plan of deliverance will happen through him. And this account is more than a story of the life of some unusual person. In a way, it has come to us. And it leaves no doubt in anyone's mind that Israel will be delivered and God is the liberator. Moses is a simple shepherd. Moses had a stuttering problem. Moses couldn't do it by himself. Moses didn't feel equipped. But Moses yet was still called. God doesn't pass us just messages and just leave us there. God passes us messages and gives us a community around us for which to evoke those messages. And I'm grateful for this community here. I thought to myself that Moses had his own call, and what might my call be? And I wanted to offer that as a template also for you all to understand maybe what your call in this world might be. So just out of seminary, I lived with two roommates. One was a teacher at a local Catholic high school. And so I went and accompanied her and 100 other juniors to a week-long backpacking trip in Catalina. Now, I had been to Catalina a few times with my family and friends and, of course, school trips when I was younger, and we were headed out for something different, a wilderness skills week. And for most of the time, we were to live as close to the land as we possibly could, so we actually fashioned our own bowls and our own forks and knives out of what was available to us. And we uh, planted things for the next group, but also reaped the harvest of what previous groups had given to us. And we caught our own fish, and we cooked our own food. It was on a more rugged part of the island, far away from the different camps that you might have experienced with you know, those fancy dining halls and showers that they had. But it was a moment when I was hiking around the backside of the island, the part that opens up to the rough seas of the Pacific Ocean, where I realized the majesticness of the sea. It was far different than the harbor that is on the other side that has calm water that comes from the California coast. And so in this ruggedness, I understood the vastness of God's beautiful creation, an amazing creation, and how it all works together. I felt connected to something bigger than myself. And I'll be honest, this trip changed my life. It increased my connection to the natural world, and I understood the power and majesty of God in a different way. And though this trip was only 10 days, I experienced something that was transformational. 
And it was a trip that I went on. And I wonder if there was a trip or a season in your life that was different for you all that increased your majesty of God. Or it could be like Moses, who was simply doing his job in the wilderness and showing up to shepherding every single day. And perhaps God's call for you came through that. And for me, it solidified my career as a pastor, organizing mindful retreats and engaging activities, particularly for teenagers, volunteering in programs for the development of people, and walking alongside families in the ups and downs of life. And for Moses, it was a springboard to his career as a prophet, being a spokesperson for justice and speaking so God's people could hear a sense of God's presence in the past and the future. Moses was not being considered because of his qualifications, nor his experience in a palace or his initiative or his potential leadership. He did not need any of these things for what God had in mind. All he had to do was relay a message to Pharaoh, a rather hard message to Pharaoh, but nonetheless. And Moses points out his inadequacies, and he asks, who am I to do these things? I'm not equipped. I'm not qualified. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm too young. I'm too this. Haven't we all put those barriers in front of God? God, that plan is too big. I'm just a little person. I don't know if something so grand can be so accomplished. And Moses put Moses' trust in a big God and understood that this would happen. There's a story from one of my favorite theologians as he was walking along the, the seashore with a whole bunch of his friends and his kids. And the kids were walking around and they were understanding like, oh, there's a seashell, there's a seashell, there's a seashell. And, and you know how little kids are. They have uh, tiny hands. And so their, their hands were filled with seashells and just running around, so excited. Uh, one of them had a jacket on, and so they discovered that they could put all of their shells in their jacket. And those shells in their jacket and their shells in their hand, they were their treasures. They're amazing things that they have. But then in the distance... They looked out, and they saw a beautiful starfish floating in the water. And that beautiful starfish that was floating in the water was something that one of the kids said, I've got to have it. I've got to have it. And you can sense this, this feeling of compulsion. There was, a, there was a call narrative that was happening to this child at this moment. He really wanted to get that starfish. But he had something in his hands that he couldn't let go of. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a parallel to what could happen in our lives. What are we holding on to? What are the things that we have in our own life that we have to put down in order for us to go after that starfish? It's clearly there, floating in the water for us to see, for us to recognize, and it's there for a purpose. And so we have to put down something in order for us to go look out and grab the starfish and call it our own. Of course, it wasn't really his. And I wonder what it is in your life that you need to put down. Moses had things that he had to put down. I had to have things that I needed to put down. And in your life today, 
There are things that are holding you back from understanding what God's calling is on your life and the thing that you are passionate about, the thing that you can do, the thing that might transform the world, the thing that might transform your school or your place of work, the thing that might transform your family, or that thing that might transform you. God can do it. God can really do it. And if we believe that God can do it, we will start to more recognize how God is working in not only our life, but how it's being transformed. And I hope that listening to another narrative in the scriptures about how God worked and God prevailed can also be true for your life and how God can work and God can prevail. Amen? Amen. Amen.